Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I'm so grateful you're here with us, and I'm very thankful to be your host. We're looking at excavating mounds and tales and, you know, places where archaeology takes place, how to do it without destruction, so much destruction is involved. And we're in the Wycliffe Dictionary of Biblical Archaeology. Highly recommend the book by Charles Pfeiffer. Let's get started. I use it as a textbook and then uh, make a lot of comments around it. So just start reading and make comments. So normally only limited areas of a large mound are excavated, although frequently several of these are opened up at different points in the mound and dug in depth in order to provide a comparison between the various strata revealed in the several areas. It's generally necessary to return to a given mound for several seasons before a reasonably clear picture emerges. Again, this is because various parts of the city might have a wealthy part, a political part, uh, an agora shopping part, a poor part, a middle class part of town, interspersed part, um, judicial part of town. And so just getting that feel of what is in that strata is a really difficult process. So a search for the tombs which correspond to each layer is normally carried on at the same time as the excavation of the mound is being undertaken. Cemeteries are seldom marked and are difficult to find, but once they are discovered, their excavation is not as complex as the excavation of the mound. The chief difficulty lies in the fact that the space is generally very confined, but the objects in the tombs are generally intact. Although frail objects, such as those of wood or bone, have to be chemically treated before removal. And there's a lot of stuff like that. Even, you know, clay is pretty sturdy, but some of the thin clay pottery and that type thing. Uh, linens, fabrics, just several items. Of course, gemstones would be the most durable, probably. So as the excavation proceeds, a considerable amount of data accumulates, including photographs, sketches, surveyor plans, and a great number of objects in pottery, wood, stone, bone, etc., all of which are marked to define their exact origin. It's from this data that the archaeologist compiles his final report for official publication. And now we come to, you know, we've been looking at tells and mounds. We're going to look at the archaeological periods as well. And you'll hear, see this a lot, just like in uh, paleontology. You know, people talk about uh, the Jurassic period and different periods. Well, it's that way in archaeology as well. So we're going to start a little bit of that today and complete it uh, in a little while. So archaeological periods. In the course of thousands of years, great changes have taken place in the structure of buildings and the shape and decoration of pottery, art pieces and the shape and nature of weapons, and the style of writing, etc. That's a big one, the style of writing. Archaeologists distinguish various periods of time during which there were reasonable uniformity of culture in a particular area. Change in culture may have been due to invasion by other peoples or in an era of invention or some other cause. So, you know, you think about it um, like the Internet age has been huge, the technological age we're in, the atomic age, the industrial age. Before that, you had so much of the agrarian age, but then it was done, you know, Iron Age, Bronze Age, you know, various 
uh, implementations, writing, Paleo-Hebrew, Hebrew, uh, Aramaic, Aramaic mixture with Paleo-Hebrew, and uh, Greek adopting Paleo-Hebrew alphabet, basically. So, again, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Join us daily. Share with your friends, family, church family. And uh, let's just look at all things biblical archaeology. I'm excited. So, God bless you. Bye-bye.